We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Soccer Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening, Tommy Avance, for the newest installment of the show. Tonight, got a lot for you from the terrible podcast covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Alex Kazora, it's also with SteelerDepot.com. We also want to discuss a little bit of Brandon Cooks. He's not out this weekend. We want to discuss a little bit of Pittsburgh Steelers overall. And, of course, to begin, 
the Rams' odds of making the playoffs entering week 10, it's looking a little a little dicey. Tommy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm on the back end of almost a month-long uh, head and chest cold. It's beat me up for a long time now, but I decided Monday morning, instead of lay around and continue to rest and try to get better to get back in the gym for the first time in a long time and run it out of me and hit the weights and it's definitely helped a lot more energy right off the bat and i'm feeling better so my voice is still a little scratchy so if i cough today i'll i apologize guys i'll try to mute but i'm having a little rough one it's 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 getting around the corner now so you just won't go to the doctor though you're like screw the doctor i'm not going no i no i went to the doctor didn't they you know they gave me some cough pill or something it's not an antibiotic it's it's useless something you could probably get over the counter you know, they see it all day, every day, dude. So I just went there to take a blood test and make sure I'm not dying, which I'm not, so I'm good. Well, I suppose we're all glad you're not dying, but a month long? <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, yeah. a month long? Jeez. I mean, I, I have a horrible immune system. I have autoimmune disorders. It's genetic. There's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. I get, I'm get. i the bubble. Live. I, I'm the bubble boy, dude. I cannot be around <laughs> people who are sick. And when people come to work sick, I tell them to piss off. Go home. Leave. Go away. Like, what's wrong with you? That's what we have sick days for. Kick rocks. You got to be kidding me, dude. I'm not a fan of uh, people coming to work sick anyways, but still. They do it all the time. Why? It's it's in our society now. Everyone's so so afraid to get fired. They won't even use their sick days when they're sick. It's unreal. And yeah, that's what like, they're there for. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're there for. Use them, well, please. Yeah, Tommy, it's on like resumes. It's not on resumes, but it's on like applications. How many days of work did you miss last year? If you have a few days, yeah, I don't really, you were I don't sick. really miss work. Yeah, I don't really miss work per se because I work from home, um, and I work from the field as well. I'm a construction manager for a telecom company, so I'm allowed to work from home. So if I'm sick, I'll just like trade with some of my coworkers, right? So I'll say, hey man, I'm not feeling well. I'll make a deal with you. I'll do all your paperwork this week if you do my field work and make sure my GCs are doing their job. Boom, it's problem solved. I can sit on my computer cough all day long not bother nobody not get anyone else sick and still be able to do my job yeah but in today's society like you were saying if you miss work you're scared that you're gonna lose your job but they actually ask that on job applications how many days you miss per year yeah exactly and i've set myself up for this you know there's i spent a lot of years in the field doing you know doing the dirt and now it's i looked for work from home telecom jobs and i tell a lot of people out there there's a lot of jobs that you can do from an internet connection and a laptop so go look for them they're out there this is 2019 dude they're still hard to find depending where you live yeah still are depending where you live in my in my line of work you can do it but not yours obviously well yeah not mine but speaking of people who are going to be missing the job this weekend brandon cooks is out for week 10 brandon cooks out with a concussion your thoughts dude um not really worried about it i just He's not much of a difference maker on a weekly basis for me to worry. And Josh Reynolds is, I like Josh. So I've always, I always have since we drafted him. He just hasn't gotten any opportunities. And the more he's out there, the more rapport he'll build with Jared and the better he'll play. Any opportunity? He had a whole lot last year when Cup went down. Oh, yeah, he did. But Jared just didn't throw him the ball that much. No, he didn't. You're right. He didn't throw, (laughs) they didn't have a whole lot of specialized form. Can't throw it to yourself. You know what I mean? True, but I mean, you have to run the route too. He hasn't done anything to really set himself apart either. At least not yet. Doesn't mean he won't, by the way. I'm not slamming yeah. him. 
No, like- and and he's low salary, so just let him learn and let him play. Give him some opportunities, you know. Uh, we have a very deep wide receiving core. I'm not concerned about Brandon Cooks not playing. No offense to him whatsoever. Just it's not a concern on our team. If he was the, if if we were like the Saints where they have Michael Thomas and a bunch of random dudes, yeah, then I'd be worried. But we're not in that position. When you started saying let it, I was like, is he gonna go let it go? The frozen. That's how you know I'm the father of two little girls. <laughs> You're like let it, I'm like let go. Frozen. <laughs> I'm just. I mean. For for me with Brandon Cooks, I I was a guest on Locked On Rams this week, and and they asked me about Cooks, and I'm going to share the same thing here. Is that is watching the devastation of certain players over the last few years get knocked out of games. You remember? You, I know you remember this. Levar Arrington knocking out Troy Aikman. Remember that? Mm-hmm. It's one of Absolutely. the legendary plays. That is kind of like the poster child recordings or video of hits. We've seen Cooks get laid out a couple times. We've seen. We've seen AB kick a dude in the head. We've seen <laughs> we've seen all kinds of concussion. But when when the Rams playing Denver and Emmanuel Sanders and knocking out Sanders, remember that years ago? Yeah, I forget who hit him. I forget I who it was. But I look at plays like that and think this is no joke. And no, talking with not- Mike on on Sunday night, and he's talking about the concussions he thinks he's had. He's had five that he knows of, five that he thinks would have been called concussions. Now that makes ten in his lifetime. Dude, sit this guy down. He's had, he's had four in the two years he's been here, two this season alone. Take your time with him. The Rams are going to be fine. They're going to be all right. Take your time. This It's not just about the games, but this guy's life. I'm not worried that's, about it. Yeah, I agree. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm concerned about, too. I don't want to you know discount anything or make it seem like I don't care if he's in the game or not. Um, my take was basically our depth chart, right? But I'm concerned about his health as a person. Because that's a, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I have a friend of mine uh, who's a pro wrestler, and he's on the back end of his career. Very famous dude, and he's had over a hundred concussions. And he's they're doing a documentary about it to bring awareness to the pro wrestling industry because the pro wrestlers in the world get much more concussions than um, guys that play pro football. It just doesn't get talked about as much, so they're starting to bring that to the forefront now as well. Because it's important. CTE is across any contact sport, not just the NFL. But the NFL, it gets talked about the most. Because in the eyes of many people, some who don't really understand the game, is CTE is like all football and nothing else. It's not like you know there's a sport called soccer that people take headshots all the freaking time. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about wrestling. Well, I guess they're going to be talking about wrestling very soon. It's any place. Like you're talking about head contact involved. You risk the chance of CTE over the course of time, and with Brandon though, is that the dude's also a good person? I mean, he has been a model citizen since joining the Rams. Model. He's been a model citizen since joining the NFL. Man, let's be honest he's he's a fantastic human being. So you know, it's it's about good people as well. So that's my concern with him. But all right, folks. The rest of the show, we got a lot going on. But before we move on, we remind you that we're sponsored by Jim Hawk, his book, Hollywood's Team. We also want to remind you that we're also available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Apple Music. We are on Spreaker. Where else? Yeah, iHeartRadio. That's right. Everywhere. Just everywhere. Radio Public. You name it, we're there. We are running that contest still on Rams um, Forensic Radio over on Apple Music. And that is a five-star review. 
you leave that review there, you send us a screenshot to our email at, at ramstop1945 gmail.com. You'll enter into our contest. We'll also share your feedback on the air, and that will also enter you for a personalized Rams jersey. We, we upped the ante a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. That's right. A Rams jersey from NFLshop.com. Hopefully it's a Rams jersey, and they'll be heading your way once at 200 Five-star reviews will do that. So there you go. Anything else I'm thinking about? Am I missing anything? There's a, there's a game this weekend, right? About damn time. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, folks, we'll get to that game. We'll give you a chance to, to, to talk to the odds makers about that game with our sponsors, MyBookie. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. Pick your locks for the week, then put them together in one Parlay bet and when they all come through, the rewards are huge. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate the offer. That's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE, and you'll double your cash when you sign up. Visit MyBookie.ag today. MyBookie. You play you win, you get paid. All right, so Tommy, I got to tell you flat out, I'm going. I'm stoked to go. I'm annoyed that you couldn't make this birthday weekend for me. You make me feel sad that you just had to stay home and watch the legendary Pittsburgh Steelers play the Los Angeles Rams, a rematch of Super Bowl fourteen. How dare you? Just simply put, <laughs> how dare you? Exactly. How dare me? My son's first birthday put me in a poorhouse. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, you saw. You, did I send you the photos yet? I think I saw a couple. I think I saw. <laughs> so, show me. Yeah, it was it was an extravaganza to say the least, man. Well, that, it was worth it. You're you're paying for PSLs and all, but man, a birth a man's birthday request shot down, shot down. But you know, my buddy Joe stepped in. We're gonna go catch the game on Sunday. It's a 425 game. This will be a late, uh, late podcast for us. But you know what? Be fun. It'll be worth it. And I get to see the Rams live one more time this year in the old Midwest. Hopefully, though, I mean, hopefully we're looking at a better performance than last time we saw them out. Rams won 24-10 last time out against the Bengals. They're going to have to put in a better performance to beat the Steelers. The Steelers are a better team than they were just four weeks ago. They're one, they were 1-4 at one point. Now they're 4-4. Four and four. Their defense is stepping up. It's not dominant, but they create turnovers. Just like the Rams defense last year created turnovers. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Tommy? It's going to be an interesting one. Um, I haven't really paid too much attention, but who's who's going to be playing quarterback this week? Is it going to be Mason Rudolph? It sure is. Okay. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I don't remember the last time we played the Steelers. I know um, it's been a while, I think, and Mark Barron is on the team. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I like playing against teams you haven't played in a while because then you really don't know what you're going to get. And, then, and to me, that makes it more exciting. You agree? 
yeah, but there also is the fact that it's the Steelers. This is one of the great franchises in NFL history. If you can't get to play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, then there's something wrong with you, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that in itself is going to make it great. Um, you know, we've seen the Steelers over over history be a very consistently competitive team over their their franchise history, which is pretty cool. If you ask me, you know, you change players under those uniforms and the one thing they don't do is change coaches very often they've only had three coaches in the history of that team correct no 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 no. it's it's more than that but three coaches in the last say 40 plus years if I oh, go that's back, close enough jeez i mean, I mean chuck <laughs> noel took over the franchise it's what 40 years in 1970 so 50 years for 50 years wow, now they've had that three coaches. is unbelievable so what they're trying to tell you is if it isn't broke, don't fix it, and be patient because we see other franchises in the NFL, even some in their own division, change coaches like babies change diapers, and it's, it doesn't seem to work out for them. You see teams, you know, after one year firing coaches, and you're probably going to see that again this offseason. It's sad. Nobody, you know, people hit the panic button too early, and the st- teams like the Steelers kick their feet up in, in status quo. And then you see the Patriots do the same thing over the last two decades because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They've had some down years, but did did the owner panic? You know, no, he didn't. He had his quarterback and he has coach, right? Oh, and that's well, all he needs. Here's the official here for 50, 50 years. They've had three coaches in fifty years because Noel took over in nineteen sixty nine. He coached the Steelers all the way till nineteen ninety one. Then Bill Cowher takes over. He coaches them all the way to, what, 2007, and then you have Mike Tomlin taking over. Now, Tomlin took a lot of heat out here in this area because he basically, in, in the view of many fans, won the Super Bowl with Cowers players. I'd be the yeah. first to tell you, I mean, I get to, unfortunately, because I'm not a Steelers fan, I, get, I have to watch, if I'm going to watch football here, it's either the Rams, Steelers, or Browns around here that I can get, and... If you're watching the Steelers, it's not well one. It's you learn a lot about how they play defense and, and so on and so forth. But you learn about their stability, and I can tell you that Tomlin does make his fair share of mistakes with game management, so on and so forth. But he's never, never lost a locker room. That's one thing that our guest that we're going to talk to a little bit later points out in our interview is Tomlin has never lost a locker room. So despite his flaws as a head coach, the reason why he's able to succeed is because he is able to manage a team. And that's what the Steelers look for. They look for guys who are stable, who can keep a team together. If they're going to struggle, you know, they'll be back. During Cowers years, there were a couple times where this team was not very good, and then they just recover and come back again, and they win a Super Bowl or get to a title game. They always seem to bounce back and it's stability i thought that's why the rams actually kept jeff fisher as long as they did because they're trying to provide stability and jeff fisher just well he was jeff fisher yeah i have different thoughts on that but we won't get into that this episode oh come on you can't leave it leave the the little fish bait warm out there for me to just kind of not poke at a little bit what? No, no, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. It's, that happened, you know, years ago. We're we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. The Rams <laughs> are in Los Angeles. Let's just say that, okay? <laughs> no, but the point is, it wasn't working, right? And they held on. No. My point would be, it wasn't working. And they held on to him too long, and it just no, they held on to him change. just long enough. He did his job and what he was there to do, and and they let him go when it was time to let him go. When the job was done, when the job was done. 
So you think his only job was to get him to L.A.? Is that what you're saying? Not his only job, but it was part of it. You know, he knows how to manage a team through a city relocation. He did it before, so why not do it again? You know, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind on behind the scenes in the NFL that the fans will never understand, and they do what they do. Period for the almighty dollar. And if you think otherwise, you're crazy. But like I said, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, there is, and I have a lot of you know information on that stuff too over the years knowing certain people and whatnot but you just at the end of the day even if you're just a fan if you want to understand how a billionaire thinks dive into how they think and why they do what they do and when they do what they do and whatnot you know we're just fans at the end of the day though you could say that some people are more than just fans they are psychotic anyways pittsburgh <laughs> last time they played 2015 they beat the rams 12 to 6 in st louis at the time it was a game in st louis roethlisberger was going for 2492 yards interception nick Foles started for the rams that's right nick Foles. oh that was yeah. Todd Gurley's first game that was uh, he was 19 to 28 97 yards get this the rams rushing leader that day chris givens with one carry for 24 yards how <laughs> yeah. times have changed <laughs> wow so rewind the clock no i don't want to go back to that game i remember the game before that too in pittsburgh is 24 nothing Steelers. so the rams have not played that game is going to be a big well, matter of fact let's go ahead and go right to our interview with the terrible podcast alex kazora and see what his thoughts were check it out All right, guys, I'm here with Alex Kazora from the Steelers Depot, part of the Terrible Podcast over there. Does a great job. They've been around for, like, my gosh, like 10 years now. You guys are in season 10, right? Yeah, we're getting old, aren't we? Yeah, it's been on for a long time now, and uh, a lot of fan support really appreciate. Steelers Nation, one of the best. Well, we can't deny that. If this game was out in California, there'd be a lot of sort of <laughs> fans there. They're all over the place. They Sometimes they drive you a little crazy, got to admit, as an opposing fan. But oh, yeah. no one can question the loyalty there. And... Uh, it's a big one. This is a game that has this matchup for a lot of Rams fans to go right back to Super Bowl fourteen. The Steelers every four years after in Pittsburgh, once every eight years. So this is a rare matchup, but it's a little special just because of that first Super Bowl game. But we want to focus on the here and now a little bit. I want to back up, though, and that is Antonio Brown. For folks in the West Coast, we get to hear a whole lot about what happened with the Raiders. What the heck happened to Antonio Brown out there in Pittsburgh? I wish I knew. Hopefully someone in that organization writes a book someday. I'm sure it won't be AB, or it might be, because he might need the money at some point uh, to uh, where he's at right now. But really, it's just one of those things where the situation and the relationship between AB and Ben and the front office just became untenable, where AB was so upset and, and, and the way he kind of acted towards the organization. And I'm not here to say that it's 100% AB's fault, I think. You know, obviously, when AB was first traded, the national media tried to pin everything on Ben and Tomlin in the front office. As everything has transpired since in Oakland and New England and everything like that, I think people understand what Steeler fans were saying. But I'm still not going to say that they, you know Tomlin made mistakes, Ben made mistakes, AB obviously made a ton of mistakes too. So it was one of the situations where AB simply wanted out. And as you saw what happened in Oakland and what's happened to him in his football career post-Pittsburgh, when he wants out of a place, he will do everything possible to leave there. So I actually give Tomlin a lot of credit for trying to keep that situation as 
calm and under the surface as possible because who knows how many incidents happen that we, we don't even know about right now we know some of the stuff that happened during the season and in previous years that Tomlin was able to kind of smooth over enough and obviously Oakland couldn't even get to week one um, without you know uh, having it too much of an issue with the point where they had to release him so it was a crazy situation one that I'm very glad was no longer the Steelers problem while they were worse off they'd be obviously off the field in the distraction and drama standpoint uh, a million times better so it's a wild situation and I'm just glad fans and and, and, and you know the organization doesn't have to deal with it anymore. It's crazy too because at the time we thought the Steelers were, the Steelers were nuts. A third and a fifth round pick for mm-hmm. a huge dead cap hit. And now you have a third and a fifth round pick next year and you're okay. I mean, this if the Steelers aren't winning, it's not because of AB right now. It's not because of him. There's right. other things going on. I, you mentioned Mike Tomlin though. I'm, I'm actually, I'm the weirdo who hosts the Rams podcast and has followed this team for years, but I live an hour out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> So okay. I've heard all the criticism you can muster about Mike Tomlin and you know his coaching skill overall, and many have called him overrated. How do you evaluate Mike Tomlin as a head coach uh, from where he's gone early in his career to where he is now? That's a difficult question. Um, obviously, there were criticism of Tomlin, and a lot of them are valid. And you saw that last week if you happened to watch the Steelers Colts game. Some of the challenge decisions he made, especially that second one that could have cost him the game, and had. Adam Vinatieri made that field goal. We're probably talking about that Tomlin second challenge on an offensive pass interference that uh, the refs didn't see that way. We're talking about that as the the focal point of the conversation this week. But overall, uh, you look at the job that Tomlin's done, uh, competitive team every single year, and I, I think the biggest thing I look with Tomlin is furthering and helping create his own culture for that team. I mean, he's been the coach since 2007, and not for one second in that Pittsburgh Steelers locker room has he lost the locker room and that's going to be tough to do with very few coaches in, in, in NFL history that can say that so those guys fight for him and they've been through adversity so many times including this year obviously a one in four start losing your franchise quarterback all the stuff that happened with AB and Bell and, and things like that and you never lost the locker room so there are valid criticisms criticisms of Tomlin from an X's and O standpoint from a decision making standpoint from a game management standpoint but from a culture and from a leadership standpoint to me the biggest thing a head coach has to do lead and keep that locker room together and manage people and personalities both coaching staff and players i think he's done a fantastic job of that and uh we'll see if he gets another super bowl i i think part of his legacy will be defined of by if this team can win a super bowl another one before ben retires if he can obviously that changes i think the the naysayers a whole lot um and we'll see if he can do it i look back at the pittsburgh franchising and from the moment chuck Noll left you had bill cower come in and the rooney family stuck with cower through his great years, and every once in a while the Steelers would dip and have a poor year. And you, mm-hmm. they, you hear some of the rumors, but they always stuck by him. Mean, same thing with Mike Tomlin here. When things right. don't go exactly right, this team has remained loyal to him. I think that brings a certain level of stability to a franchise and helps enable him to be respected. Is there anything that you think concerning all the problems the Steelers have had in recent years that you think could change that? In, in what sense? In terms of not having that stability anymore? Well, I mean... I think it's clear they're stable, but in terms of the expectations that go with being the Steelers, like you should be a Super Bowl contender mm-hmm. almost every year, which is what, by the way, what Rams fans are starting to get head that way now. <laughs> but this has been the Steelers have been a Super Bowl contender in anybody's eyes for right. darn near thirty years. This is how good this franchise has been. 
Sure, and it will remain that way at least until Ben retires, and from there we'll see what happens with Mason Rudolph. Obviously, you're getting a long look at him right now under unfortunate circumstances, albeit, but you're going to get a look at him and a chance to evaluate if he's your future or not. I'm not ready to say whether he is or he isn't. I've seen some growth. I've seen some progression. I think there's mental toughness and things about his game that's impressive, but there's been a lot of inconsistency, some inaccuracy, and maybe some hesitation as well. But for the time being, as long as number seven coming back next year, because Ben will be back next year. Let's be very clear about that. Uh, Ben will be back in 2020. Then this team's going to have the expectation as a Super Bowl uh, champion or contender at the very least. So how do you feel about this matchup right now, this weekend with the Rams coming in? I watched the last game. The Steelers aren't the same team I'm used to seeing. A lot of guys are being forced to step up, like Trey Edmonds. Defensively, they're a little bit different as well. I think Minka Fitzpatrick's done a great job coming in there right away and, and making plays. How do you evaluate this team from 1-4 and four to now? Well, it goes back to the culture and the team coming together and having the leadership with the coach in the locker room. But you're right. This was a 1-4 and four team that was going on the West Coast where they typically struggle with a man named Duck to a rookie quarterback, undrafted player, tryout guy back in May who signed with the team and no one thought he would ever be heard from again. Uh, and this team's been able to reel off three straight wins. And the biggest difference, you know, from that win streak, you know, talking about that win streak, but also just last year or this year, is the defense. And it's the amount of takeaways that they're creating. Last year total, and I say this stat all the time, they had 15 takeaways in 2018. This year already, through eight games, they have 22 takeaways. I mean, it's just night and day difference as adding new talent, whether that's trading for Minka Fitzpatrick, signing Steven Nelson, the biggest free agent deal in team history, uh, obviously trading up for Devin Bush and all the other moves this team has made. And then I think the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick has just been monumental to have. He's been their best safety since Troy, and he's the first Steelers player, and I love this stat. I'm a guy that loves weird, quirky stats. He's the first Steeler to have four interceptions since Troy in 2010, a drought of nine years, which was the longest drought in NFL history. So to have that true playmaker in center field has been a big difference. The reason why the Steelers are where they are, especially on this win streak, is they've won the turnover battle in seven straight games. They lost a week one to New England. They've won it every game since. And if they're going to beat the Rams, a good team with a good offense on Sunday, they're going to have to win that turnover battle again. How do you like that matchup with the Rams offense and the Steelers defense right now? It's going to be tough, but the more you see this from the Steelers' defense and the more competitive they are against quality teams, uh, they had five turnovers forced against San Francisco. Some of that was self-inflicted by the 49ers, but still, takeaways are takeaways. You know, they played Seattle tough. Uh, they played Baltimore tough. Uh, obviously, you know, they played the Colts minus percent, granted. Uh, pretty tough last week, but I know the Rams are a good team. I haven't gotten really into the Rams tape yet. Uh, the run defense is going to be the big factor. The Steelers run defense has been a little shaky this year. They got, uh, they kind of lost the, they did really lose the, the, the line of scrimmage to the Colts last week. So if they can kind of shore up that run game a bit, the Steelers have lost Stephon to it a couple weeks back. That's a massive loss for the D line, both starters and, and rotational depth. Um, but if they can help shut down that run game, make the Rams one dimensional, that Steelers pass rush is really fierce, led by TJ Watt, but Bud Dupree's having a career year as well. You got Cam Hayward. Javon Hargrave with a really good pass rush. So it's really going to come down to how well the Steelers can contain Gurley and Brown and Henderson and guys like that. That's going to be the big factor. That's actually the big factor in Aaron as well. We were just talking about this tonight is trench, trench warfare mm-hmm. here. How these teams, both offensively and defensively, are going to face off in the trenches because the Rams, they, they've been out-muscled a lot, especially in the run game. For a team that has a player like Todd Gurley, they have not been opening up holes for him behind the youth of that right side of the offensive line, especially with Austin Blythe, who has been hurt, their center, Brian Allen. That's a big concern for me coming into this game. How has the interior rush for the Steelers performed this year? 
The interior pass rush has been good. I mean, the defensive line is stout, but when you lose the fun to it, it really hurts your depth. So now you're playing guys like Hayward more, playing a guy like Javon Hargrave more. Your outside linebackers have played, you know, close to 90% of the snaps, which wears you down late in games and, and, and sometimes creates subs when you don't want to have a sub. A great example last week, Steelers start off the second half, I believe it was. The Colts run five plays. They get in the fourth down situation. Steelers got a sub. Now they're putting in a bunch of backups. They got a couple rookies in there, a couple guys that haven't played a whole lot of football, and the Colts convert. So um, I think with the start, they're good enough. They're a little small at inside linebacker with Devin Bush and Mark Barron, so that does create an issue with some of the interior run game. But the, the issue really is with the front seven. It's just depth when they don't really have those guys or they don't know what they have in guys like Isaiah Bugs or Oled Daney or, or players like that that are first and second year guys that you're still trying to find out who they are. So the issue with the, the defensive line in the front seven is not so much the starters, which are excellent. It's the depth and, and rotational. And can those guys be fresh late in the game? Because you can imagine this is going to be a close one between Pittsburgh and, and the Rams. How has Mark Barron performed for you? Not great. Um, he's, he's he's played a lot of snaps because they're trying to find that guy wearing the green dot to be the the you know central communicator of that defense. Um, but he struggled in coverage and run defense. You know they wanted him to kind of be able to to bring some athleticism, but that was before they drafted Devin Bush. So they didn't know obviously they were going to get Devin Bush, and they wanted to have a good athlete out there. But Barron's what thirty years old. He kind of looks like it. He doesn't always practice because he's he's been getting older, and they try to give him some rest. So they've they've had a real strong rotation between. Barron, Devin Bush, who's probably playing the majority of the snaps, and then Vince Williams, who's I think a high energy guy, but also not an elite cover player either. Um, so it's been it's been a grab bag at inside linebacker. Bush will struggle in cover. He took he took his lumps against the Colts last week. Um, so it, it's been up and down, but it's a whole lot better than a year ago because last year it was the weakest point of this defense. They really had nobody to field out there. It caused them to go sub a lot and play a lot of small with uh, small packages with with you know hybrid safeties and guys like Morgan Burnett and, and players like that. So it's an improvement, but still probably not quite where they, the team wants it to be. So who concerns you the most right now about or on the Rams offense? What's your biggest X factor for them? Well, I, I know the Steelers have struggled with tight ends. So I look at guys like Gerald Everett and what you guys still have Tyler Higby still producing yep. a little bit, right? Okay. So it, it's primarily with the tight ends, but I know Cooper Cups had some really big games. And, and again, I just worry about the trenches up front because the Steelers haven't won the line of scrimmage the way that they have traditionally, even last year, uh, for example. And again, I think that goes back to the depth issues I talked about a moment ago. But but probably the tight ends down the seams on third down because the Steelers linebackers and coverage have struggled. So flip it around, though. Steelers offense versus Rams defense. What is the biggest matchup for for you right there? Well, I think the five-star matchups are the ones up front. I don't mean to stick with the trenches here, but it's hard to not look at you know Aaron Donald versus David DeCastro or Aaron Donald versus uh, Marquise Pouncey or Dante Fowler versus Alejandro Villanueva. So I think those battles are going to be really fun to watch um, because the Steelers haven't faced the defensive line quite as good. Really, no one has uh, as what the Rams offer. I know they move Donald around a ton and they put him on the edge and interior just to try to hide him and give him all kinds of different matchups. But you know, Mason Rudolph's a guy that, that continues to try to grow, but it's been it's been painful for this offense red zone they're really struggling their bottom five in red zone offense i mean they were one of four against the colts last week that would have been the biggest reason to, to point to had they ended up losing that game uh third down offense has been better but still probably not ideally where you want it to be and then the run game has issues too with injuries to james Conner and benny snell so uh the offense has been painful it's really just been a complete opposite of, of past previous Steelers teams where the offense was the strength and the defense was kind of riding sidecar. Now it's the opposite where the defense has to play really strong, keep scores down, steal a possession and play good red zone defense because the offense has struggled in a lot of, a lot of aspects. The Rams acquiring Jalen Ramsey opposite side. They had Troy Hill guy who's 
been a backup for almost his entire career. But safety Eric Weddle, former Raven, so knows the the Steelers pretty well. How do you how do you match up right now with with that secondary with Aaron Don up front in the trenches, Dante Fowler rushing the quarterback? What what do you what do you think would be the main game plan the Steelers will put out there right now? It's going to be about trying to move Juju to try to get him free. That's been a challenge this year. Now, I'm sure Jalen Ramsey is a guy that's going to travel or capable of traveling. He did that in Jacksonville against AB. They've had some great battles. So really, it comes down to because you have to assume that it's going to be tough for Juju to get open the way it was last week against the Colts. And the Rams, I think, have some better pieces in the secondary. You're going to count on, count on guys like Deontay Johnson, like James Washington to have to step up. Washington had his, his best game as a Steeler last week. Uh, made some really tough plays over the middle. Got a 40-yarder deep downfield. Deontay Johnson's a rookie. This team was really high on taking the third round, but the Steelers had a first round grade on playing more snaps and playing quicker than they thought. They just released Dante Moncrief, who was an abysmal for Agent Wiff, had a finger injury in training camp, couldn't catch anything. They had to release him to recoup a comp pick. So um, it's going to come down to basically, you know, the secondary options beyond Juju. Can Deontay Johnson make a play? Can James Washington make a play? Can this offense continue to get Vance McDonald, the tight end, involved in the red zone? I'm sure Rams fans are familiar with him from his 49ers days. So um, it's going to be about those those secondary pieces having to step up because Juju's likely to be blanketed well by Jalen Ramsey. Where do the Steelers have an advantage in this matchup? Um, offensively, it's tough. Uh, you know, the, I, I, I would say trenches for most games, but I think it's pretty even considering what the Rams were able to do. But I think anytime you have a good offensive line that's going to protect your quarterback, you're going to give yourself a chance. And I think obviously the Steelers match up as well as anybody um, against the Rams because not only is there a lot of talent up front, there's a lot of continuity too. Ramon Foster, David Castro, Marquise Pouncey, all with 100 career starts, all in Pittsburgh too. Alejandro Villanueva been the left tackle for a long time. Matt Fryle has been in the system uh, for a couple of years now, even though this is first year as a full-time starter so it's a lot of continuity um, that helps you be able to protect against the stunts and games and twists and all the things that defenses are going to try to do to create um, openings the Steelers have only been sacked eight times this season in eight games and most of that's on the quarterback I think I only, I only have three charred sacks to the offensive line this year so I think anytime you keep your quarterback upright even though he's one that's struggling a bit in Mason Rudolph you give yourself a chance so um, even if you get behind early you know your offensive line is going to be able to protect your quarterback and and not have this ter- turn into a big sack fest where those guys like Donald and Matthews and Fowler can pin their ears back and go eat. So with Mason Rudolph himself, you mentioned that he's made some moves to the positive and some areas concerning you still. If you're going to give me a full scouting report on Mason Rudolph, what is it right now? Work in progress. Um, on the good, I would say his mental toughness and his poise. I think that was on display against the Dolphins where he had an abysmal first quarter. You know, Monday night, you're getting booed at Heinz Seal. That's a tough spot for a quarterback to be in, but he finished that game a whole lot better than how he started. Unfortunately, that's kind of been the trend for this offense the entire year where they've really had to kind of warm up to things, and that's you can only get away with that so much. His pocket presence has been iffy. I've seen some good moments of it, but I think he does make good decisions overall. He's willing to take a profit, not going to force the football, um, and he does have a good arm placement or, or, or deep ball accuracy and, and placement downfield. Um, he's got to be able to take more chance and probably be a little less selective uh, of when he wants to go deep because he is pretty cautious. But uh, he does have really good, I think, accuracy when he does want to fire it downfield. But that is the issue where the offense has been uber conservative. Jalen Seamless had 13 receptions out of the backfield last week. That was half of Rudolph's completions. Part of that was, you know, based on how the Colts played it. But still, you got to take more chances. And so you've had some pocket presence issues where he's kind of slid into some sacks and stood in the pocket too long. And some problems there, lack of mobility certainly hurts him. Um, but just kind of those young guys' issues, your accuracy over the middle has been waning. Uh, some, some ball placement problems on, on some of the short intermediate type stuff 
um, and just not creating enough big plays and the offense not finishing enough drives. It goes back to the red zone inefficiency I spoke to earlier. Again, I think they're 28th in the NFL in red zone offense when they were number one in the NFL last year, obviously with Big Ben. So it's been a work in progress. There's some encouraging signs, but I'll wait till the season's over and see how things look in totality and kind of make a better evaluation from then. All right, so here we go. Make the call. How does this game go out for you? What's, what's the score going to be? Oh, man, you're asking me too early in the week. I had to go through all the Rams tape. Uh, it, it's going to be close, though. I mean, and I am a bit of a Steelers cynic just because I know the heart attacks they've given me over the years and every game's close and you just you never have a good week as a Steelers fan on a Sunday. You know it's always going to come down to you know one play late in the fourth quarter. I think I'm going to give the edge to the Rams right now just because they probably have more stability, certainly more stability offensively. And while the Steelers' defense is arguably, arguably better than the Rams' defense, I think, you know, I think the Rams' defense is better than the Steelers' offense, if that kind of makes sense. So it's going to be close. Um, I'm really excited about this game, but uh, I'm just happy this team's back 4-4, four and four, and I picked the Colts last week. They proved me wrong, so we'll see if the, the Steelers prove me wrong uh, again this week. I mean, the Rams need this game. I've been talking about it on our show. The Rams, I think the Steelers, if they lose this game, they're going to be okay. There's there's mm-hmm. no real runaway per, runaway team right now in the AFC North. Baltimore's within closing distance. Cleveland, you know, doing what Cleveland does, and Cincinnati is nowhere to be seen. So... Even if they lose this game, they're going to be all right. For the Rams, though, if they lose this game, they're in trouble, and they know it. Mm-hmm. And coming off a bye, I'm expecting them on our end to come out there and to really – I'm not going to say win the game. because I'm not going to say that because I, I, I will never, ever say that playing the Steelers. Never. Too much respect there. But I'm expecting a their best performance of the year in terms of – especially offensive line performance. It's been so awful watching them try and run the ball this year especially last four or five weeks. So I don't know who's going to win this game. I'm not ready to make the call yet. I'm just not going to apologize for making you make the call, but um, <laughs> I think uh, if the Stewards have a good chance to win this game, it's going to be shut another run. If you shut the Rams' run, they're in trouble, just like you said. Yeah, I, I think it'll come down to trench play, absolutely. And, then, and I think that'll determine the victor and then red zone efficiency too. Uh, I think that's going to be another big factor in this game. And to be honest, the Rams have not been efficient in the red zone under Sean McVay. It's there's one hole in their offense. It's been there overall. So Is there any reason see. for that? Do you think McVay would be able to scheme well in those situations? He does scheme well overall. I think sometimes he gets a little too pretty in in mm-hmm. the red zone. I think he's trying. He'll go out there and he'll he'll run a, a tight end screen, and he'll run you know a rollout. When dude just. Go straight up the gut, man. You got your guy. Just mm-hmm. go. And and for some reason, he's trying to set something up for later on. And he actually did nail it earlier this year on tight end screen and Gerald Everett. And we were like, oh, well, he must have been setting that up for two years now. <laughs> because <laughs> it's, that's what he'll do. He just, I think he gets a little too pretty. And it was a little bit over-reliant on trying to be creative instead of just going sometimes you just need to go full bore. Just go straight ahead and try and push people off the ball. Yeah, absolutely. That's, got you. That's my personal opinion. Maybe the film will tell you differently as you, as you take a look at it, but that's just my view. So can you tell people where they can find your work, Alex? Uh, you, I, I've been following you guys' podcast for a couple of years, so I know what you guys do, but can you tell people where you what you guys do and, and where to find you? Absolutely. SteelersDepot.com is the place. Our podcast, That Terror Podcast, we do a show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, K-O-Z-O-R-A. And uh, if you want to just nerd out about the Steelers, that's the place to go. All right. Thanks so much for coming to the show. Really appreciate it. And hopefully four years down the road or maybe in a Super Bowl sooner, we'll be talking to you again. 
<laughs> looking forward re- repeat of 79 yeah looking forward to it there we we'll love it would be a dream game for us we we'll love it all right thanks so much so this game this weekend i think from my standpoint i, I mentioned a couple times now i think it's a must win for the rams i really do i think that if pittsburgh loses this game they're in a division that no one's running away just yet they can catch up if they need be the rams lose their fourth game in in their ninth game out, where you had the 49ers and, and Seahawks, the Rams are in trouble if they if they have any hopes, A, of making a run the division, but even making the playoffs. Yeah, there's every, at this point, just being in the NFC alone, we're the seventh seed right now, okay? We're on the outside looking in, okay? We're behind the Vikings and the Seahawks. We almost got a two-for-one this weekend, um, but... You know, the Tampa Bay made their best effort and almost got it done. But the Vikings did lose. Thank you, Kansas City. Much appreciated. The NFC is stacked. Okay, it's not – we're not running away with anything if we don't start winning and we don't start getting some help. Now, if you look at the schedules for the teams that are in front of us in the NFC, not just the NFC West, they are much more difficult than ours. The 49ers have to play the Packers, the Ravens, and the Saints in a row. There's a good chance they could drop all three of those games. It's possible, right? I mean, it's tough. All of them. All of them. The NFC is going to beat each other down in the second half of the season. And the Rams have already played their gauntlet part of the schedule. And that's behind us. And we made it through five and three. Not bad. Okay. Um, if we drop two more, it could be devastating. And it could not be. Who knows? You know, the Patriots at one point, I remember a while back, didn't they miss the playoffs at 11-5 and five with Matt Castle quarterback? They did. When Tom went down? Yeah. They did. So that quite possibly we can see a 10-6 and six or even an 11-5 and five team in the NFC miss the playoffs this year. That's insane. And the AFC will probably have an 8-8 eight and eight team go. Uh, well, AFC is weak sauce, as it is. I mean, nah, it absolute weak sauce. Total weak sauce. But the, you're saying the Rams... Yeah, their schedule's easier, but that just tells you how difficult their schedule is because it's not easy the rest of the way. They still no. have the Seahawks, it's all the 49ers, it's all the Ravens. The Bears have no offense, but that defense is still there. It's not a total it's not a walkthrough either. They the Steelers No, are it's not. It's 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 in compared to Yeah, yeah. Our NFC competition. That's all. It's never a cakewalk. All the NFL teams can beat you at any given moment. Somebody can have a good day and beat you. We all know that. But in compared to our NFC, um, the other teams that are we're contending with for a playoff spot, all all of them, um, we have the easiest schedule out of all of them. So that's that gives me hope. What are you going to call this game? What are you What are you saying this game's going to be here? I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. I haven't watched enough of the Steelers this year, or even watched any film up to this point. I don't know what we're going to get, and I'm actually kind of excited about that. I want to be surprised. Well, I mean, offensively, they have a veteran offensive line. It's not perfect. They will give up the sack here and there. We saw Mason Rudolph get knocked out earlier this year, but they're veteran. They they can. They are smart enough and well oiled as a machine to enough to. To give the Rams problems, the running game's been iffy here and there. But Trey Evans last weekend did a great job. Their receiving core, it's up in the air. Schuster's there. Nate Washington has best game as as Alex mentioned during his interview. But nobody's jumping out. There's no A B replacement right now. No way that dynamic. Defensively though, 
that it's the defense that really shows up to me on film. They are faster. They will bend. They're a bend but not break defense, but they will make plays. They will force turnovers. Their pass rush is very good. And that's my real concern. Their weaknesses right now is run defense. And the Rams really haven't ran well on anybody for a while. Now's their shot. Can they get in there and establish a running game and, and help give Jared Goff and the receiving core a chance to, to get some space? That's my question. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game to say the least. I'm really excited that you're going to the game, man. That's awesome. Well, I, I need to go, man. I, I get a, need to see this. I mean, you know, I only get to go once or twice a year. Next year, probably once with them, with the Bills coming in, with them going to play Bills. No, you're coming to see me, dude. You're coming to see me. You're going to sit in my son's seat, and my son's going to sit on my lap. <laughs> That'd be fun. Inglewood opening That's season right. would be a blast. Yes, sir. Now, the question is going to be, and not, I'm not trying to anger some people out there, what jersey will I be wearing? Because I, I've made this promise. If if they mess up these jerseys, I'm not buying new jerseys. I'm not well, buying the new jersey if they mess it up. I promise. So, from what I've heard today, and I haven't had time to look into it am 570 fred rogan and rodney announced today that the uniforms and logo is complete and the colors will be royal blue and sunshine yellow so the colors they aren't going to mess up if they're royal blue and sunshine yellow that i am sure that i can live with it yeah so they're basically it's correct. the same colors that we have now with you know a modification of the uniform and somehow and they're not going to mess up the horns they already talked about that we talked about that at length with kevin in person at the breakfasts that he hosted um he's well aware they're all well aware including nike so i think that we're going to be fine i think they're going to be cool you know i gotta be honest watching the giants play the cowboys the other night and seeing those giants uniforms from the 80s with the the anodized helmet i i was in love dude how cool did those look i really liked them i i I didn't think i would like seeing them because just all that white in a uniform to me doesn't look all that good but it did it looked smooth and clean i really liked it but i i should have thought i would like i like i like the old school uniforms i like it when they bring a classic feel so man i'm I may have mistaken my thought process there. I, I like seeing those uniforms, and it's kind of why I didn't like the way the Jets moved away from their old uniform because the Jets uniform had tradition to it. I don't like how the Browns have moved to their uniforms as they are now. I, I like the old tradition to it. If Nike, and I don't have a lot of faith in Nike, by the way, if Nike managed to keep these colors and create a good design with those colors that stay as close as possible to that classic feel, I think every fan will be happy. We'll all, we'll all be out there buying tons of stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I, there's going to be people out there who are going to hate it because it, it's not identical to what we grew up on, especially over here, the, the L.A. people and the uniforms that we've been wearing for the last two years at home. Um, those are the ones we grew up on, man. So P, that's a it's a huge deal, and, and, and there's going to be people that are going to get upset because it's not going to be identical, but... I think it'll be close enough that I'll be okay with it. And, and at the end of the day, I just don't think they're going to completely botch it. I don't. So I'm going to guess the throwback uniform will be the blue and white. That's what I'm guessing. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. We talked about that. I, I mentioned that to Kevin, and he they're, they were very receptive to the Deacon Jones uh, style, but obviously modernized. Um, I would be. It would be awesome, in my opinion, if they 
made the helmet anodized behind the white horns just to make it pop a little more, that would look amazing. Yeah, it would. It would look great. And it would, again, sell stuff. <laughs> oh, of course. At the end of the day, like, and that's what, you know, I think the franchise working directly with Nike has delivered that message that if you go too far, you're going to bury yourself. And and, and we're not going to sell as much merchandise if we don't stay in within these parameters, right? And they, they gave them those parameters. And I'm from what I'm hearing, they stuck by them pretty well. So we'll see soon, obviously. Um, probably in the offseason. I'm wondering, I, I'm guessing the lettering will be the one, the part of it that will, will have fans a bit concerned. What would the lettering look like? Because their lettering in the last couple of uniforms does not look good at all. If, you For know, other Bay, teams? You know, oh, like the yeah, Tampa they, Bay lettering they, is horrible. Yeah, they look like arena football. It's horrible. I agree. So I'm hoping they got the lettering right. Yeah, we'll see. Also out there, by the way, the Rams will stop by 538. They have the Rams having a 44% chance of making the postseason. Let me ask you, if you're making a prediction right now, are you going to make it or not? If we stay healthy down the stretch with our schedule versus the our contenders in the NFC, I say we, worst case scenario, are the six seed. Worst case, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. For me, whew, I'm going to say ten and six. I'm not sure if I want to. I'm not sure if I want to say playoffs or not. There's a couple matchups there right now that are bugging me. Now I'll think differently this weekend if the offensive line shows up after the bye and is ready to go. Yeah, I'm looking. Okay, let's talk about that for a second because this is what I want to see from the Rams. And and we haven't heard anything announced or anything, and I haven't been paying attention. I should probably look into it a little bit, but um, I want to see Austin Corbett start at right guard. I want to see them make a change and show us, just like they did a few weeks ago with all the trades they made, that they have our backs, right? They have the fans' backs. Hey, we, we hear you. We see what's going on. We're making moves. We're trying to make this team better. I want to see someone get plugged in, and I want to see some guys get some PT like Kenny Young on defense. I want to see something different. And that's what I'm going to be looking for on Sunday. Yeah, but what if he's not? What if he doesn't know the offense yet? What if he's not quite there yet with it? Well, it is what it is. But he should be. You had plenty of time. You had three weeks, almost a month now. Give me a break. It's not that hard. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe he is moving the center. Things change if we move the center. Yeah, I think that our center is playing better than our right guard. I would. I. That's where I would have put him. Blythe needs to sit down and figure out what's going on with himself. Maybe he did during the break. That's the thing. We don't know anything. They've been so quiet during the break. Like we don't know if we've seen his ankle improve. We don't know how Brian's been picking up the Brian Allen hasn't picking up the offense over the course of that two weeks off. We don't know how Austin Corbett's picking it up overall. There's a reason why the Browns were willing to ship him out. By the way, as a second round pick. Those are some of the things that just kind of pop into my head. I want to know more about what's going on with the team, and they've been so quiet that you don't really know what you're going to expect to see on Sunday. This team could go out there on Sunday, and they have the talent to blow up the Steelers. They can go out there and win 35-10. Okay? They could. And the Steelers could turn around and win this game 17-14. They, they really could. They could force four ramps turnovers on this game. They are really good right now at forcing turnovers or forcing at least two per game, I think, right now. So is one of them Mark Barron? <laughs> well, Barron's in Barron's been uh, he's in struggle a little bit from what uh, if you from what we're what we're hearing. So 
All right, guys, before we go, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, Hollywood's team. He wrote this book honoring his dad. I'm a little rusty. Hold on. He wrote this book honoring his dad, John Hawk, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Green Bell plays at Norman Brocklin, Elroy Craig's Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. In this story, spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available both in hardback, electronic form, and now paperback form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also find it anywhere on the internet. Folks, I've read it cover to cover. It's a great book. Okay, It's got tons of Rams history. You guys know me. I'm a history nut. It's a good read. It also goes to a great cause. 100% proceeds go to... That's right, Homeboy Industries out there in L.A. They work to get people out of the gang life, making them productive members of society. Check it out, Halloween, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's well worth your time. We're also looking for sponsors. If you're interested, email us at rams1945 at gmail.com. We'll send a media kit out to you. You can also send us a voicemail at 657-665-453. Always ready to talk. So one more thing there. We're part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Check out this promo. All right, so final thoughts here. I guess I want to go through these final thoughts. You and I, we were both young bucks when the Rams played the Steelers in Super Bowl fourteen. But I know you've heard some stories from family members, from friends. What has been the coolest Super Bowl fourteen story you've heard? You really want me to answer that? <laughs> well, is it is it rated PG thirteen? No, it's none. None. I was one years old, dude. I get that. I was like one, two. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't have five. any. My great grandmother is the reason why I'm a Rams fan. And I don't remember. I don't. I'm not going to sit here on the air and lie. I just can't. I can't remember any stories from that game. I don't have any. I'm sorry, guys. Don't beat me up for it. All right. So I'm going to tell a nerd story. A total nerd story. Back when I was a young buck. I'm talking like pre-teenager. You just get home from school, and my mom would be off cooking dinner, TV's wide open, and the first thing I would do is I would turn on ESPN. And back then, if you remember, ESPN used to have those 30-minute Super Bowl recaps that they would scroll through with the old NFL music. Remember all that stuff, the trumpets and all that jazz? Am I, re- am I refreshing mm-hmm. your brain a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? A little bit. Yeah, okay. a little bit. And they, and they had the Super Bowl 14 recap. And... I remember sitting there and watching that recap as if I as, as if it was real games. It's the first time I'd ever seen it, and I was and I was just at this point I'd already fallen in love with the Rams, and and uh, I could just anything Rams I would just, just digest. And I just remember watching a whole recap and realizing the Rams are going to lose that game thirty one nineteen. As a this is like ten years later, when I'm watching this, it just broke my heart. Then ten years later, see they lost that Super Bowl. Ten years later, watching Nolan Cromwell get beat out there. Watching John Stallworth and Terry Bradshaw break Rams fans' hearts in Pasadena—that's like the memory I have—is one you know watching those old ESPN shows. You can still see they play them on NFL Network now. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go back and watch it to refresh my scrambled brain. Yeah, you're there's a lot scrambled there. I think right now. <laughs> what the heck, man! I can't believe you have no stories. You are in, you live there all your life, and no one has a story on that. I don't remember. Dude, my memory is garbage. I'm 41. I am terrified to be like 71 years old. 
if it's this bad already. We need to get you checked for CTE. <laughs> Dude, I mean, as many years as I played at safety and as many noggins as I cracked, I hit this one guy. I was playing in an arena football tournament in the Staples Center in like 2003-ish, I think, around there. And in, in arena football, there's only one safety single high. So you're back there, and the field is only 25 yards wide. So there's nowhere for anybody to run. I, I, I never understood how arena football like scored 60 points a game because when we when my team went over there and entered the tournament we did you know basically how it worked is there's a 45 minute continuous clock and the team that scores the most points advance to the next round we made it all the way to the finals and no team scored more than 21 points against in any 45 minute time interval they couldn't score on us i wouldn't let anybody over the top it, they only had to defend 25-yard width. It was ridiculous. I hit this one guy over the rail into the Gatorade table and about knocked myself out. So, yeah, maybe I do. Maybe I do need to get checked for it, too. I used to drop a lot of people, and in, in turn, you would drop yourself. Sometimes I'd be on the ground, and they'd pick me up, and I'm like, what happened? They're like, you knocked him out and you. I'm like, oh, well, did I did I get him? They're like, yeah. Well, okay, good. <laughs> All right, so, folks. yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. Well, yeah, I think we'll leave the show off there. We need to get, like, one of those special pictures, like a gift made of you with your head scrambled a little bit. There, I don't even know what to say to that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. How about, how, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to you about us making an outtakes reel for a while now. I think we need to make that out. It takes real. All right, folks. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams. Talk and find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Android, all those places for the entire Rams Talk staff. For Tommy, this is Derek C. Apollo saying, take it easy. We're out of here, and we'll see you game night. Peace. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.